The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is Accelerating Innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10 times points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side by side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight? A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. Musora is your access to online music lessons for guitar, piano, drums, and singing. You know, I love music but I haven't picked up an instrument in years. You know why? I tell myself, I don't have time. Where am I going to find a teacher? Well, there's an answer. Musora. Musora is the place where you can learn essential skills and techniques with more than a 100 of the world's best teachers and musicians and thousands of famous songs. You get seven days totally free to try it out, and then it's just $30 per month, less than a single private lesson. Just go to musora.com, M-U-S-O-R-A.com, to start a new musical journey today. From Transmitter Media, this is Rebel Eaters Club, and I'm your host, Virgie Tovar. Today, we're going to be talking about something super fun, super exciting, and a little bit sweaty. <laughs> it's hiking. Joining me is Summer Mashadskog. Summer is the founder of Fat Girls Hiking, a collective for all types of people and all types of bodies to get excited about nature and movement. She's also the author of a new book, also called Fat Girls Hiking. True to form, Summer called in from a yurt in rural Oregon, surrounded by the sounds of wind and dogs and the occasional truck. Summer, welcome to Rebel Eaters Club. Thank you for having me, Virgie. I'm super excited to be talking to you. Me too, me too, same. Um, okay, so in in Rebel Eaters Club uh, sort of fashion or tradition, we start with a snack. Um, do you want to tell us what the snack is, Summer? Yes. Um, so my favorite snack for a very long time, I think since I was a child, is popcorn. Um, mm. I love popcorn, microwave popcorn with toppings. I love doing popcorn on the stove. Um, with oil and let it pop. And that's very fun. And I like to put, um, today I have microwave popcorn because, you know, it's early and I put a little Parmesan cheese on it. Yes. I mean, I, I also made microwave popcorn. Um, we have this Death Star popcorn maker and I was like, I just don't have time to pull it out, but it's so cool. It's like this weird Star Wars-y ball that shoots out popcorn. Um, (laughs) Okay, so I'm going to count down from three. Ready? Three, two, one, chomp. Crunchy. It's so delicious. I especially have to say my favorite part of microwave – I mean, I love the popcorn kernels when they're popped. 
But I especially love the half-popped kernels at the bottom Mm -hmm. of the bag or the the bowl, whatever you have. They're just, like, popped open just a tiny bit, and they're crunchy. Oh, hmm. I used to fight over them with my siblings when I was a kid. (laughs) Like, I want the half-popped You're blowing my mind a little bit because, like, I feel like those are sort of – I don't know. I don't know. I think – I feel like those kernels are controversial territory. I'm like, I feel like those would be untouchable kernels. And so I'm like, are we reclaiming the bottom kernels? Are we doing this? I'm but ready. they have to be just ha- like pop- popped open just a tiny bit, not the ones right. that are unpopped. Right. You know, just a tiny pop. And oh, it's like, I don't know. Okay, I'm going to have to try um, this. I'm going to try it. Acquired taste, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I'm doing it though. <laughs> um, okay, so tell me, I mean, so in your new book, you write, I didn't know my body's strength and resilience until I put myself in situations where I had to rely on my intuition, knowledge, and creative problem solving to get my fat body from the trailhead through the woods and to the destination. I mean, I love that um, this idea of hiking as something that can strengthen intuition, that can connect us to our problem-solving abilities, right? Um, and I'm, so I guess this leads me to the question, right? Um, when hiking goes right, what does it do for you? What does it do for a person? I think it's empowering. I, I think mm. it really is empowering. And I've I've had lots of other people say the same thing. Um, it's really good for your mental health to be in nature like that. Like there's, it's like scientifically proven. There's been studies done about it, right? And I think that's amazing that it has that benefit. And I can really see how it benefits me. And when I've led group hikes, how it how it benefits other people, how they can just slow down, go at the pace that feels comfortable for them and really, you know, pet the moss, look at a leaf, um, see how the light's coming through the trees. Just um, what does that feel like? And what is that experience going to be like to be really in nature in that way? And especially when it's warm enough to have bare feet on <sighs> the ground, there's something about like, I, I am part of this earth and the earth is part of me. And it makes me feel like, um, insignificant it really does it really is like this healing space where I can be like I am just being I am just existing I'm in this world and I I definitely feel that that you know it's really like nurturing my inner child to like you know walk on a log and but yesterday I did a little walk and there's a bay and I was it was low tide so I was walking in the bay and there's all this drift logs and I found some sticks and then I'm just like drawing in the sand and it's just yes. like su- such a simple thing, right? Just finding a cool stick and drawing in the sand and, you know, there's no point to it, but it it feels good. And I think we all need that. We all need to like just play, really. It's just play. Yeah. I mean, when you say um, it makes you feel insignificant, I completely understand that. I mean, like I live really close to the Pacific Ocean, um, like walking distance. And I notice on days where my problems or my trauma start to feel massive, the ocean is always there to remind me of the scale 
the scale of time, the scale of nature. And it can be so liberating to be reminded of this thing that can be so pressing in the moment, like maybe a deadline, maybe that thing that you messed up on at work or whatever. And then you go into nature and you see the enormity and the incredibleness of it. And you're reminded, I think the other thing that I that I love about nature is time is different in nature. And I, I sort of feel like, you know, I didn't come up with this actually, some other scholars did, but it's called fat time. Um, there's also like <laughs> queer time or people of color time, right? This idea yep. that like there are these sort of alternative ways, the alternative speeds of life that are possible, mm. right? Because we're sort of told there's this one way to, to take time. They're, like everything should be as fast as possible, as pragmatic or as practical as possible. But nature is actually on a totally different, it's not on the deadline system. It's on its own thing. And I think that's one of the most healing things to me about nature is being like, wow, like the time it takes for one single leaf to grow, the time that it takes for this one little project that an animal is doing takes, you know, weeks, hours, months. And I, you know what I mean? And, and I love mm-hmm. that feeling. Yeah. And it's a good reminder that like growth takes time, right? Like healing takes time. And I, and I think that nature really offers us that space to see how things are kind of changing all around you all the time. And going on a trail that I go on often in the winter is very different than in the summer and what different things you can see and experience in these different times. And so change, I I always think I have a hard time with change. And when I'm really observing nature in this way that I like to do, I'm reminded that like change is always happening. It's like always constantly, Mm -hmm. constantly changing. And I think it really helps me to be like, it's okay that I'm kind of always changing too. And I'm reminded that as a human, I kind of always want to be growing and changing in the same ways that nature are and kind of just always just living in the moment, uh, which is really hard to do in our culture, honestly. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And I think especially if you're in a marginalized body, like that kind of connection is not something that, you know, I I feel like I was not allowed to have that. And I was sort of thinking about the parts of my body that I feel still are lacking resolution, right? I'm like, okay, I can reclaim my belly. Somehow that felt really easy. But there's these other things, these other parts, like my upper arms or my inner thighs, where I'm like, this is still bugging me after, you know, so many years of doing this work. <laughs> and I sort of was like, I was like, what what tool do I need to develop in order to kind of work through some of this? And I actually was like, nature. I decided to just go out to the park and be like, hey, is it possible that there's a part, that part of me is mirrored in nature? Ah. And I'm like, of course the answer is yes, right? And so what I did was I was like, okay, let's look for inner thighs today (laughs) in nature. And I, because I mean, I have, I have chief scars. I have like discoloration, all the things, right? From like years of chub rub. And so I went out and I was like, oh my goodness, that tree is the same shade of my inner thighs. That tree right there, that plant like has these kinds of like little ripples that look exactly like my thighs do when I like cross my legs or when I like, you know, sit down crisscross applesauce. Um, and like that, those like pores that I have that are somehow like, you know, carrying like so many extra hairs than any other pore. I'm like that, it looks like this little cactus pad has like multiple follicle little, little pores. And so anyway, I just like, mm-hmm. I love that experience of just being like, yeah, go out in nature. Every single part of your body, whether it's socially acceptable, quote unquote, or not, is there. I totally agree with you. And I see 
my fat body reflected in nature all the time, especially on the beach. Like when I'm on the beach, I see stretch marks all the time. And I feel like stretch marks is something that, you know, we're taught that we shouldn't have and that we should try to eradicate with whatever lotions and all the things that capitalism can sell to us essentially. And I, I saw it yesterday, actually, just like these, the way the water and the wind sort of makes these little ridges and it's beautiful. Like it is gorgeous. And every time I see it, I'm just like, like it takes my breath away in this really unexpected way. And I always take a photo of it. And I usually post it on the Fat Girls Hiking Instagram because I'm like, people should see this. Like, look at these stretch marks on the beach. Like no one would look at these stretch marks on the beach and say, oh, like, you know, let's get rid of those or let's eradicate stretch marks on the beach. Um, It's beautiful. And, And we can embrace our bodies in that same way with how they're reflected in nature. Like there's nothing wrong with our bodies having dimples and, you know, cellulite and stretch marks and discoloration or whatever we want to say it is on our bodies that we don't like, right? It doesn't have to be a bad thing. We can reframe the things that we've been programmed to think about the way our bodies are, you know? And I think just, you know, I love, you know, taking photos of myself next to these spaces because it really reminds me of that reflection. And and it's beautiful. It really is beautiful. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I'm curious if if you could talk a little bit about the messages that you were receiving that you needed healing from, that hiking ended up becoming like a medicine or a balm for. I mean, absolutely. I was, uh, as a kid, I was a, a dancer and a gymnast and I was in track and field and I really loved these movement spaces. Um, and I consider what happened to me in these fitness spaces to be a trauma and like a source of shame yes. about my body because I was always the last person, you know, we had to do like the running the mile in gym class. I was always the last person. And I I remember pushing myself and pushing myself and doing the best that I could, but being like, you know, talked down to or shamed or told that it was not good and not right. And I just thought like, how can that not be good? I really did my best. I wasn't like not trying to do my best. And it was still put down and and it really instilled this feeling of like, I'm not good enough. Like right. in the eyes of my gymnast or my dance instructor or, you know, the track and field coaches, like I'm not good enough. And I really internalized that, honestly. I really did. And it's really like connecting with other people who are doing things that you have maybe not seen a fat person do. So like for me, it was like connecting with people who are like scuba divers and competitive bicycle riders and and they're fat. And like that was yes. really cool to me be like, what? So we can really do, you know, people can do whatever they want. And to really see that and to see how people are sort of changing that narrative of like who is a hiker, um, it can be anyone, you know? It's not just like this thin white dude in an REI ad. Like it's it's anyone who wants to have that experience and do that activity. So that's really how I've been able to like turn this like trauma fitness from my childhood into um, a, a healing space from that, honestly. And and I know that it's helped others as well. And so like, it's honestly such a gift. Like, I feel like, who am I to, to be the person to to do this work? You know, I, I, <laughs> I'm no expert. I just am like, 
some weirdo who likes to pet moss and, <laughs> you know, hates diet culture and all the shame that it, you know, gives to us. So I love that. Loves moss, hates diet culture. That's great. <laughs> I should put that on a t-shirt. You should. You should. It's good. It's good. It's really good. Um, I'm thinking about like, you know, for that transition from that kid who is sort of learning and internalizing shame to the person who is reclaiming nature and hiking, you know, how did the repair or the shift in that relationship, how did that happen? Oh, man. I, I was, I feel like it took me a long time to get where I am now. So yeah, as a kid, I, I had this trauma fitness. And then as a teenager, I, I started really learning about feminism. And I remember the first time I ever saw the word fat being used in a non-derogatory way was this zine called Fatso. Yes. Which is now a book by Marilyn Wan. And it really was like, really like questioning beauty standards as a teenager, I think really helped me because... I had a, my dad was in the modeling industry. He worked as a modeling agent in Chicago. Mm. And that was like really a bizarre, you know, I would meet people who were models who were in magazines and commercials and things at the time. And they were teenagers. They were like my age. So like having that experience of like being in that world and being just like, I was a weird teenager. I dressed really weird. And I definitely was called the freak of my high school. And my 20s was like that too, you know? And it really did, I, it really just, did take a long time of me not connecting to my body, to be honest. It was really like, it's, this thing is here. And I wasn't really like in my body. And I think it was more just like really appreciating what my body is and what my body does for me. And, you know, I think about you, Virgie, often when I think about that story, tell about how you were a little kid and you're just like shaking your whole body and how that yes. felt so good to you and it made you so happy. And like, I think about that often because it's really just like this freedom just to like be in your body. And I definitely lost that for 20 years, you know, and it was like, I was like in my late thirties and I'm in my early forties now that I found mm -hmm. hiking and I could really get back to that place of like, yeah, uh, fuck beauty standards, first of all. And then <laughs> how can I be in my body without rejecting it? And it's like when those thoughts come up, it's really like telling myself a different story. So it's like, okay, I'm feeling a little bit of shame because I'm breathing heavy on this hike or I'm kind of sweaty. And like, it seems like the rest of the group's kind of going a little faster. And, you know, that stuff comes up from when I was a kid of like, not being good enough. And I really just tell myself these like different things. Like I'll just be like, um, you're doing great. I just say, you're doing great. And like that sometimes is enough. Or I'll just be like, you're doing great. You're perfect the way you are. Like, you know, all these kind of like silly affirmations, but they really do help me to stop the the shame spiral that can sometimes happen, you know? Yes, yes. Oh my, I'm just thinking my, um, so my therapist, no matter how terrible anything I tell him, he's like, good awareness, Virgie. <laughs> you know, it's like, I hate awareness. this. This is terrible. He's like, great awareness. <laughs> it's like, so I think like it's Identifying a universal it. thing. Yes. <laughs> it's like, mm -hmm. I hate this. I feel terrible. I am being triggered. I'm a great awareness. <laughs> like, I think, like, right. That's the very, we can always say that to ourselves. <laughs> Right. This sucks right now. And guess what? It's not going to always feel sucky, but yeah. it sucks right now. Right. I think acknowledging our feelings on things is the first step for sure. And then the next step could be like, 
you know, this sucks and you're doing great. Like you're, yes. you're doing great in a sucky situation. And cause we don't, you know, like the, I don't want to be like toxic positivity where like I have to be positive all the time either. I don't put that pressure on myself, but I think it is important for me to sort of like know that this is not my thought. Like this shame is not my own thought. Like I'm way too rebellious to shame myself. Like I am still that teenage feminist zine maker. I do not need to like, you know, perpetuate those ideas within myself. But, you know, sometimes it's hard and I have to like, (laughs) you know, really just be in that, be in that feeling of like, I'm having a lot of shame. And, you know, that's also okay. And just reminding myself it's not going to always feel that way. Hello, hello. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisions History. In my book, David and Goliath, I tried to figure out how some people find the strength to take on the established way of thinking and turn it upside down. What does it take to be a disruptor? And I concluded that a disruptor is someone with a rare combination of three traits. First, you have to be open. You have to be willing to see and do things in new ways. Secondly, you have to be conscientious, to follow through and make things happen. Those two are obvious, but the third one is the crucial one. You have to be willing to do what you think is right, even when everyone around you thinks you're an idiot. There isn't a brilliant innovator in history who wasn't surrounded by naysayers. Most of us can't take that kind of criticism and we fold, but the disruptor doesn't. They soldier on. I've been looking at disruptors and their success stories a lot lately, partly because I'm working on a follow-up to the tipping point. The market disruption plays a key role in how ideas take off but also because I'm going to be the keynote speaker at this year's Unconventional Awards from T-Mobile for Business. It's an event where customers are recognized for kicking convention to the curb to elevate their company, while also doing meaningful things for their community and even the world. In fact, I'll be presenting the first ever Tipping Point designation, a new special distinction honoring one entrant that sparked transformative change for their organization this event sounds like your thing, I encourage you to find out more or even enter the unconventional awards to be recognized for your disruptive thinking. Win a donation to a charity of your choice and much more. You can enter before July 31st at tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. That's tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. I'll save you a seat. As listeners to this show, you probably consider yourself pretty smart. But how smart is your wallet? When you're looking to upgrade your wallet, it's time to turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds has the financial smarts to help you find the right financial products for you. Before NerdWallet, you might have paid for vacations with whatever was in your wallet. But you could have been missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table. Now you can get a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. 
Musora is your access to online music lessons for guitar, piano, drums, and singing. This is your chance to reignite some old musical passions or pick up an instrument for the first time. Connect with more than 100 of the world's best teachers and musicians. You'll get seven days totally free to try it out. And then it's just $30 a month, less than a single private lesson. I mean, why do we do Broken Record? Not just because we love hearing from great musicians. We do it because we think that there is something beautiful about the appreciation of music. Don't you think we need more of that in our lives these days? That's the mission of Musora, to inspire, educate, and connect musicians. Enjoy unlimited personal support, weekly live streams, student lesson plans. It's like having a personal music teacher, only much, much better. Just go to musora.com, M-U-S-O-R-A.com, to start a new musical journey today. So can you tell me, like, what what is Fat Girls Hiking, and how did you come up with this idea? <laughs> um, so Fat Girls Hiking is a community organization um, that I started in 2015, and it really started as an Instagram account, and I was documenting, you know, places I was hiking or places I camped or traveled to, and really just as a way for people to see fat people in nature. And from there, it led to leading group hikes, which I honestly had no idea how to do when I first started. And then it led to um, chapters all over the country, and there's a few outside of the U.S. as well, just to have that representation for people wherever they are, you know, because it's important to have representation and it's important to be with a group that you feel is going to celebrate who you are, whoever that is, um, because we welcome people of all sizes and all genders, even though our name is Fat Girls Hiking. Um, I just want marginalized people in general just to, to be able to experience that same healing space that I've found for myself. And so that's really like the offering of Fat Girls Hiking is a healing space to connect with themselves, with nature, and with other people in the community who, you know, come together. Yes. Okay. So, I mean, pretty much all of us grow up essentially understanding hiking as a calorie-burning exercise activity. I mean, I think a lot of us are socialized, unfortunately, to see nature almost like an outdoor gym. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering, right, like as you're doing this work to create access and to create space for healing, what does it look like to redefine hiking, to redefine the outdoors for the work that you're doing? Oh, it's so important to redefine hiking because there's definitely this... um, gatekeeping that happens within the outdoor industry of like, what is a hike? And to me, a hike is anytime you're moving in nature and and you don't even have to do a hike. Like you can just sit and be in nature intentionally. You can sit in your yard in a chair. You can sit on a blanket in a space that is green and just really connect to whatever the nature is around you. It doesn't have to be 10 miles to constitute a hike. And, and this is how I'm reframing it to my community and in my work that we can make up the rules of what a hike is for us. And so when I lead a group hike, it's really like inviting people into this space that's very intentional. So we have community guidelines where we will have absolutely no weight loss or diet talk in this space, online or in real life, you know? And that can be kind of tricky because we're all sort of, you know, given this information from our culture and from society that as fat people, we should be wanting to lose weight and make ourselves smaller to be more acceptable. And 
I don't believe that and I don't subscribe to that. And I really invite people to be like, whatever you need on a hike, if it's a group hike or if you're by yourself, you can, one of my mottos is go at your own pace. Like I can't go at the same pace as other people. I have chronic pain and that's fine. And so I go at the pace that feels good for me. And I always lead group hikes from behind. And for me, the slowest people, which is me included, are the people setting the pace of each group hike. And I always reassure people that the slowest people in the group are going to get the most support from the hike leaders. And that's how it should be. Yes. No fatty left behind. You know, we don't have to exclude people in that way. I mean, I'm so glad you brought up no fatty left behind. Honestly, that's one of my favorites. Uh, that is my favorite of Fat Girls Hiking guidelines is that you that you lead from the rear. And let's discuss, I mean, for people, I mean, the rear of a hike is a specific space when you're in a fat body or in a body mm. that doesn't move at the same speed as what's considered maybe normal or whatever, right? Which is like a really horrible feeling. Yeah. I've heard so many terrible stories from people who have gone on like more traditional kind of group hikes and have been left behind. And I just think that is shitty. As a leader, you should not be leaving people behind. It's unsafe. Um, it's not cool. And, you know, honestly, fuck those people who leave anyone behind. And the other thing is how fat girls hiking is different is you decide what the end point of your hike is. Your destination is wherever you end up. And that is amazing and perfect. And and I will celebrate that with you because you did that. Like, I remember I was leading a hike in, in New York and there was like a creek crossing and it had rained a bunch recently. So it was like a, a pretty intense creek crossing, even for me. And I'm like fine with that. So there was several people on the hike that were like, yeah, I don't really want to keep going. I don't want to go over that creek. And I was like, I don't want to either. And so some people kept going and some of us stayed back and just kind of sat on a on a tree log and talked about fat phobia in the forest. Yes! And that was like an, it was yes! an amazing experience. And it's, so it's an invitation for people to really like listen to their bodies and listen to their needs and advocate for their needs. And that's what Fat Girls Hiking and the spaces that I create with Fat Girls Hiking, that's what it's about is you are safe to advocate your needs. Yes. Yes. I mean, I, I, I love this 100%. I mean, I think all of that that freedom and that autonomy, it's so healing, you know, because I think the idea, right, again, with the historical connection of hiking and nature with exercise, the idea is it should feel kind of miserable 100% of the time. Um, and I yeah. think that, you know, like it just resisting that is amazing. So I want to... I want to talk about community. So being on the trail alone is one thing, but being a trail leader, bringing people along into your vision for what's possible for our relationship to hiking, to nature, to our bodies. Um, what have you learned from making the Fat Girls Hiking community? I have learned so much about myself and my own insecurities as a leader. When I first started leading group hikes, I wanted to be on the top of a mountain with a group of fat people. And I thought, God, that would be so epic, you know? And so I led a hike where we were climbing this pretty challenging trail near Portland. And you know what? Most of us were miserable and it wasn't like <laughs> the most fun experience. And most of us made it to the top. And, you know, it was like not as exciting, not as great as I thought it would be, to be honest. And so like what I've learned is we don't need to stand on top of a mountain together to be epic and uh, empowered. Ah! 
and inspired. We chills, can chills. <laughs> we, we can just be wherever we are, like in nature together. And really my focus more now is having accessible spaces, really like having spaces where wheelchair users will be able to access the trail or, you know, people who can't go up in elevation, whatever people's needs are. Like, I want to make sure that that anyone who wants to come on a hike has a space where we can be um, seen and celebrated and everyone should have that space, you know? Yes. Okay. So Summer, if you had one tool, if you had to pick one tool that you'd give to our Rebel Eaters Club listeners to help them reconnect with nature, to use nature to reconnect to their body, what would it be? So the tool that I think is really important is to connect to nature, you don't have to hike. You can literally be inside your home. You can you know, look at your plant. You can touch the leaves of your plant. You can learn more about your plant, right? You you can go outside. You can sit on a chair in your yard or in a park and just be observing what's going on around you in the natural world. You don't have to go on a hike. So I think it's really just like changing the mindset of what a hike is. I often am just sitting in my chair on the beach and that is totally valid. And it's really like a way to heal the wounds of diet culture for me. Ah, oh, I love this so much. Summer, thank you so much for being on Rebel Eaters Club. Thank you for having me, Virgie. Whether you're ready to reclaim hiking or not, no judgment. Summer laid out the revolutionary foundation for reimagining who is in the outdoors and what is possible when it comes to how we relate to nature and our bodies. I love a good reframe. If you have thoughts on this conversation or what makes a good trail snack, or just want to say hi, reach out. DM me on social media at Virgie Tovar. DM our producers at Transmitter Pods. Or send us an email at rebeleatersclub at gmail.com. Rebel Eaters Club is brought to you by Transmitter Media. This episode was written and produced by Isabel Carter. Sarah Nix is Transmitter's executive editor. Wilson Sayre is our managing producer. Greta Cohn is our executive producer. And I'm your host, Virgie Tovar. Rick Kwan is our mix engineer. And thanks to Taka Yasuzawa, who wrote some of the music we use in the show. If you love Rebel Eaters Club, tell your friends and share the love by writing a review on your favorite podcast app. See you next week. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take more control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. The tradition of breaking tradition continues with the return of the unconventional awards from T-Mobile for Business at Mobile World Congress. This is an event that celebrates innovators whose bold actions took their industries to new places. If that sounds like you and you're a T-Mobile for Business customer, enter today. If you win... 
you'll be publicly honored among some of the most influential leaders in industry. And me, I'll be there too. Enter now at tmobile.com slash unconventionalawards. See you there. Musora is your access to online music lessons for guitar, piano, drums, and singing. You know, I love music, but I haven't picked up an instrument in years. You know why? I tell myself, I don't have time. Where am I going to find a teacher? Well, there's an answer. Musora. Musora is the place where you can learn essential skills and techniques with more than a hundred of the world's best teachers and musicians and thousands of famous songs. You get seven days totally free to try it out. And then it's just $30 per month, less than a single private lesson. Just go to musora.com, M-U-S-O-R-A.com to start a new musical journey today.